one of my favourite things, talking to people. <laughs> and Easy. I, I love it. And, uh, and that's what we've got, uh, a whole hour and chat with someone so that you can get, a, get to know that person a little more, but more importantly, so that you can just get an insight into other how other people might think and feel about life, about things, how they choose to deal with things that may or may not be different from the way you choose to deal with things yourself. But just the whole concept that being high on life is really up to you. You get to decide how you see something. You may not always get to choose what happens to you, but you always, always, always get to choose how you deal with that. And how you deal with it is all about how you feel, and how you feel is really what life's all about. From when you're really, really little to uh, as you grow and go into your elder years. And our very, very special guest that I'm excited to speak to today is Ben Morley, Ben, welcome. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me on your show, Lily. I'm really excited and honoured, I guess. Well, I'm delighted because you have a show on J-Air and um, you have an amazing life experience that we'll touch on in a little bit, but you're now a recovery coach, a mentor to very many, many other people. You're a speaker and you talk about addictions, yes. having gone through them. And uh, and so you have a voice that really not only needs to be heard, but that I'm sure people also find as a resource that you are absolutely invaluable. Sure, definitely, Lillian. Thank you so much for that. I mean... <laughs> You know, to be a recovery coach or to have that lived experience is really important to try to get the message out there, uh, not just to the Jewish community, but to the wider community alike. Um, I, I believe that every every human being should have some form of life coaching or some type of way to, like we were touching upon earlier, a different view or, or different ways of looking at life on life's terms. Uh, I do have a show on every Tuesday night at 6pm called Road to Recovery. Uh, I do do a lot of youth mentoring. I go around Australia to schools and talk about my road to recovery coming from active addiction and into recovery uh, and I think it's really important because I mean growing up for me there was never that person that would that I could relate to or that could I could relate to in terms of having that lived experience or going through active addiction and now into recovery so I think it's really important like you spoke about for people to have that uh, ongoing understanding I guess that's more about self-exploration about what we can actually achieve absolutely and we'll do this again at the very end but just give sure. out your phone number right oh, now thanks, as well, well it's, it's 0427 one six five zero one two, or you can email me at drug ed at outlook dot com. And really, really slowly, your phone number, yes. please. Oh four two seven one six five. Zero one two. I'm always the person looking for the pen. Ben, <laughs> how amazingly wonderful is your life right oh. now? Take us through the wedding. Take oh, us through the baby. So much. I tell you what, Lily, life on life's terms. Well, if you would have asked me that question some 1,381 days ago, would have been a bit <laughs> of a different story. I mean, obviously, a lot of people listening to my program um, have heard about my life journey. You know, I, I was I was a drug addict for nearly 19 years. I was heavily addicted to cocaine and methamphetamine. I couldn't stop using. I was stuck in the cycle of addiction. I had so much love and ongoing support, but nothing really changed.
change my thinking. I was stuck in that cycle of addiction. I couldn't break out of it. Tell me about how you're feeling today with a baby almost oh, here. Well, I tell you what, after I completed my rehab, I did nine months treatment. I then came back into life, I guess, and an avid member of the rooms of NA. And I tell you what, you know, the gifts of gratitude, Lily, and that's what really my program comes down to. It's that attitude of gratitude. It's waking up every morning with a purpose, with an ambition, with drive, with focus, like we were talking about earlier. I know you dip your foot into so many different aspects of life like we were talking about that I, I really commend that to have a passion or to have a focus. And I, I guess for me, it's about it's about that attitude of gratitude and living life on life's terms. And what I've noticed and what I notice around me is that so many people focus on what they don't have, yes. on what they what is still missing, mm-hmm. on instead of looking at what they actually have right here, right now. Sure, and it's just those that basic, you know, day to day understanding, Lily. I mean, for me, I write a gratitude list every day before I go to bed. I make my amendses. Uh, you know, I live through all my resentments. Uh, just that that gratitude of being able to not just resort to a drug or drink, but to be able to be happy within ourselves and, and just to be born and to be living and to be alive. I mean, it sounds really cliched, but when you really bring your your mindset back to the basic understanding of waking up and going to sleep, you know, I didn't get clean to lead a mediocre life, Lee, and I'm sure a lot of people just amble through that. I did not get clean to lead a mediocre life is so, so powerful. Sure, and people are, yeah, so ben, stuck in their ways. Ben, Tell me what's going through your head in yep. terms of this baby. Oh. I know it's a fun, exciting time, yes. but there must be all kinds of different things that cross your mind as you're going to sleep at night. Sure. I mean, even when you keep asking the question, I guess I find myself <laughs> deflecting from what's yes, actually I really going that. on, don't I? Well, look, it just wasn't on the cards for me, Lily. I didn't think that I would get married, find the most amazing woman of my dreams, get married, settle down, have a baby. I mean, for so many years, you know, nearly two decades, I never turned up to my friends' weddings. I didn't have that gratitude for other people. I didn't appreciate my friends and my family. And I was just ambling through life. I was I was just existing and not living. I have to ask you this question. Sure. Have you and are you at the point where you really and truly believe that you deserve to have this baby and this happiness? Yes, of course. But but mainly it's about my program for me. And I don't want to harp upon the 12 steps. I'll go into it a bit later on. It's just a different way of perceiving life. And we know the 12 steps. So this yes. fo- the focus of this show yep. is really about you and what's inside your sure. head. So, uh, and yeah. like you said, and like I, I teach you know, to, to a lot of my clients and my families, it's about CBT. It's cognitive behavior therapy so you know like i like to think of it when you change the way you look at the world the things you look at change and so for me now that serotonin dopamine relief that ability to get pleasure out of basic day-to-day activities or life uh is just so so rewarding for me so even i still go through the same emotions i mean having a baby it's so exciting to be able to bring a human into this world i mean that's the serotonin you know the natural high that we get like your program indicates out of life it's having a having a wedding getting married having a baby, seeing it grow up, uh, you know, seeing your football club win a, win a premiership flag. It's just those basic things in life that we get, we find that appreciation through. Absolutely. And with everything that you've learned, with everything that you're sharing, sure. how do you how do you see translating that into a baby oh, that you God, get to mould from, from birth? And I must admit, lately, I guess over my last three and a half years in recovery, I have found myself, uh, my little idiosyncrasies or things that I do, 
day to day. I find my dad in myself and my mother in myself and that mix. And it's fascinating that you can create this human that you have such an amazing influence on that they become all their beliefs and their value systems are all created from the person and the, and the, the mindset that you have. So it's a really powerful tool. Are you talking to her already through the tummy? Oh, uh, yes. I, I, I like to I take my hat off to women around the world. I tell you what, Lily, to be able to have this human growing inside you and touching the stomach and the hands and the face. I won't say the sex of the baby in case my dad's watching because he and my grandmother don't want to know the sex. We had a little <laughs> battle of the sexes ourselves in terms of whatever baby as long it as is. it's happy and healthy. Amen. Uh, and I'm really lucky that I've got Paula to be able to lean on who, who's, who's dug me out of the cycle of addiction and just given me the sense to be grateful just to wake up every morning and go to bed at night. So, Ben, let's, let's just focus on Paula for a minute sure. then because that decision for you to act to fall in love is wonderful miraculous it's a feeling and it's a passion and i absolutely get how you can do that Mm -hmm. but for you coming from where you were to take it to the next step and say yes "Yes, not only is this a passion but i'm going to marry this woman yes what were some of the things that went through your mind as you were before you even shared it with her yeah well i would say you know that some of the questions you would think after going through active addiction into recovery was am i good enough is she going to love me? Am I enough? Uh, you know, am, am I content with who I am? Does she appreciate me? But all that just completely was just like water under a bridge, either. Because through my recovery, when I got clean, you know, even in my first year, I was so focused on just doing the opposite of drug taking and focusing on recovery and being humble and all the spiritual principles, uh, like you know, honesty, integ- integrity, these core belief values that. I just knew she was the one. I was so excited. I was happy. I was motivated. I was driven. I was ambitious. There was never really a doubt in my mind about whether or not. It's just it was so natural and raw and real that it was just it was just really just worked. And when you were standing there on the day of your wedding oh, in front of the minister, when you were looking at her and realizing that this really is it, what was it that yep. was going oh, through you're your head? Starting to get emotional. Uh, it was it was a build up. I must admit, I was a bubbling, mumbling mess just before with my groomsmen on the way there. I mean, it's all exciting to plan it and to have an engagement uh, and the build up towards the wedding. Because Paula is a bit of an introvert; she's not really, you know, socially, uh, you know, likes a lot of attention. So coming from a very small, I guess, Asian family of a, a couple of people, she's coming to this plethora of crazy Burman brigade. We call it. In our Jewish community, and especially with my over-the-top, over-emotional, overpowering family, uh, just so much love. And, and that was the whole thing as well, Lily. It wasn't just the marriage of me and Paula. It was all of my parents' friends and my friends and my community that I've grown up with that for so long wondered whether I was dead or alive. People who saw me with a needle hanging out of my arm on St Kilda Road, people who thought I was dead, people who saw me in prison, like just so many thoughts that it wasn't really ever Ben's time to shine that it was it was it was just euphoric it was such a really special occasion even to this day I've never received so much love and support and feedback from not even just my parents friends but just community and people alike even people ringing up on the radio program and I went out for dinner with a few of my closest friends the other night and they're saying they just can't believe that I'm having a baby and after a while uh, I really have to start and think of it. Why are all these people saying they just cannot believe that I'm having a child? I guess I bring it back. And when I was in active addiction, uh, you know, you completely put your emotions aside. You're stuck in this cycle of guilt and shame and remorse and resentment that I actually didn't... I, 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 
there were so many thousands of nights that I forgot who I was and I forgot what I went through and it's really easy not to rem- I need to remember those darkest da- days and nights so well, I, can I don't be able believe to yeah I don't really believe that you do need to remember those darkest yep. days and nights I believe that you live in the now mm. and the now is what's really important and with the appreciation, even the fact that you have so many friends yes. from school and from early days, um, I, I don't know if you're aware how many people have very few or even zero friends you're right, you're in right. Melbourne today. Sure. And I just I just worked with a person, you know, a 60-odd-year-old 60 now. I just met him for coffee. He was struggling. I had to talk him through a lot of, you know, attitude of gratitude things and a different kind of mindset. I'm going to take him to a few meetings over the next few weeks. And this is one individual that doesn't have much family, doesn't have many friends, doesn't have that ongoing love and support that I guess a lot of the times people take for granted. And this tenacity and energy and everything that you have right now, mm-hmm. you mentioned that you were addicted for 19 years. Sure, yes. 19 years is an enormous amount of time. It's a long time. What do you attribute to the fact that your parents never, ever, in 19 years, I'm sure they gave up on you in their own minds, yep. but not in reality. Sure. Well, I guess eventually, Lily, after, you know, and this is what I educate families and people alike, and especially when I go and do talks, is that, you know, it comes to a point where the parents have to detach with love. They have to stop enabling. They have to stop giving their loved one who's addicted money or support or accommodation or pay their rent or their phone bill or whatever it is, because it's really easy as parents. They're emotionally attached. They have this bias that sometimes they need to break out of that cycle. And the only way for me to, you know, they spent hundreds of thousands on rehabs, uh, interventions, psychologists, uh, let alone the drug use that I did, and that was gambling along with that. Um, that you know, like I, you know, thirteen hundred days ago, I was forty to three kilos. Uh, I had I looked like a, you know, I was pale in consideration to what I was there now. Uh, it was really hard to break out of, but they had to detach. But they had to they had to cut me off. They had to stop supporting me, and that was a really challenging, hard time for them. Uh, but that was the only way for me to actually sit in my cycle of misery and actually make that change. So the question I'm going to ask you now about sure. that and about your relationship with your parents is: I mean, obviously you love their par- your parents. Obviously you are you you feel that they're the most incredible. Yeah. Not asking you that obvious question. What I'm asking you is. When you really think about your parents, tell me how you really feel and think about your parents. Mm. Well, I numbed it for such a long period of time, but I want the, the listeners to be aware that addiction is a disease. It's not a choice. I didn't choose to ruin my life and put my parents through thousands of sleepless nights wondering if I was dead or alive. What you go through in that cycle, when I get one or two days clean, was I start to have that guilt of what am I putting my dad through who works so hard? Why am I making my mum have more anxiety? And she had a heart attack during the time when I was in active addiction. I had When you were in active addiction and sure. there was still you, you did you know that they were 100% supporting you did you know did you have these same thoughts about this is what I'm doing to uh, sure I always had that conscience and I was always a really lovable um, you know endearing uh, son I guess that really loved them so much but the drugs were able to complete the powerful nature of especially isomethamphetamine and what it does to the brain and the neuropathways and the ability to make conscious choices uh, how it's related to the pleasure centers 
centers in your mind, which is your frontal cortex of the brain. Everything that it did to me uh, in inside my brain and how I was thinking uh, deterred me from really understanding what was going on. I wasn't of sound mind. I wasn't Ben Morley. That wasn't me knowingly taking a drug to ruin my parents' lives. Uh, but as soon as you start to get clean, that appreciation and gratitude for them came back. So I did nine months in a rehab. I then... Uh, when I completed my time there, I ended up going and living with them because I was just so happy that they were alive while I was alive and I was just so grateful that they spent all this money and love and support to help me save my life because, to be honest, Lee, I, wouldn't, I, w- I would be dead or in jail without my father's oh, support sure. today. But when you say going back and living with them, had yep. you done that a number of times before and it hadn't worked out? It definitely didn't work. I, I, what the, was the difference this time when well, you went I was, back to I was, And like you talk about, I was present. I, I, I was alive. I was happy. I was content. I didn't feel this because anyone can just stop taking drugs or alcohol it's a matter it's a matter of staying stopped uh, and usually it's not just about the drug or the alcohol it's more about this i guess god-shaped hole i guess that you need to fill in order to get that validation of what you're actually doing i read something really really interesting and something i'd never even considered before and that is about addiction yeah. and that is the reason we do anything in life is to experience joy and happiness sure so people who are taking drugs or people who drink alcohol mm-hmm. or people who do all of these things, they also just want to be happy. It's not a bad thing sure. that you start with. It's what happens after that. It's like when it stops making you happy, and that's yes. a fine line. And look, I guess there's 14% of humans have addictive personalities, and I take my hat off to some of my friends or, or family members or people out there who can manage and who can take drugs or drink recreationally uh, you know for me I can't do that um, but for people out there it's, it's really about filling a void and look everyone likes to have that bit of escape from, from life on life's terms or day to day some people meditate some people take yoga a lot of people can have a drink of wine with a steak on a Friday night and then just continue about their time uh, but for people who are, who are addicts or in recovery like myself it can be a very difficult thing to be able to manage it's that fine line where you're not having fun anymore it's sure fine line where you're not feeling good anymore and it's the same thing for exercise it's the same thing for cleanliness sure it's the same thing for all these people who may not have as much of a big problem but it's where anything to excess sure and that's is what yep and that's what I talk about at schools and to families as well. It's not just about that, even about phones or screens or, or Nintendo or gym or chocolate or protein, whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's all about living life on life's terms and be able to manage that. It's about balance. It's about having having an outcome and a desire and the ability to have a, you know live a life where you have that balance and understanding, which I find really important. But we're back and we're back with Ben Morley, who is not only an incredibly passionate human being, being, but is doing so much for the wider community. It's uh, any kind of addiction, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs or just any kind of addiction, sure. is uh, is tough. And I don't believe there's anybody that hasn't had to go through their own mind yes. wanderings about yeah, and it's something all, like that. You're right, Lily. It's all about challenging the mind. And like we were talking about during the break, it is important. I mean, when I was at school, no one really came in and spoke about you know addiction 
religion or, or different ways of viewing the world or life on life's terms, I, I find it so much more powerful when I can have that lived experience. So when someone, I can speak to a lot of the students. And, and mind you, when I go to some of the schools, I, I can't leave. I mean, after I talk, they line up. They want to know that because everyone always knows someone who's struggling. Right. I and mean, Ben, when you, you do something for the pleasure of it, you do it because it makes you feel good. Yep. What is it that is that bridge to this is fantastic and I can do it in mo- and not moderation. I don't ever want to use the word moderation because mm. when you're feeling good, you're just feeling good. Sure. But what's the bridge between this is feeling good, whoa, this is a bit much for today, let's put it away for another day. Yeah, well, you know, and, that, and that's the, the overbearing nature about the disease of addiction, a drug or a drink can be so overbearing, or a Nintendo game, or gym, or having a protein shake that you can, your brain starts to adapt so easily to addictive behaviours that you find yourself stuck in it, and it's really, really difficult to be able to get out. And the only way to really do that is to change your thought process and challenge your way of thinking and I was just I was binge watching a series on Netflix and I thought shivers binge watching in itself you want to watch the next one you want to oh, watch yes. the next one yes it's I also ask my wife Paula every night I mean last night I was watching I think was behind Mossad um, you know, all about the Israeli Mossad and behind the scenes and the people I, mean, I find myself just so so it was so invigorating I was, so, I, was I was glued to the screen that it's, it's real I have to practice you know being able to you know go to sleep turn everything off switch off turn off because for me in active addiction it, I had everything everywhere all the time I didn't it was so unnatural for me that when I got sent or sort of beaten up to the point where I got put in the back of my dad's car, punched in the face my, by my Israeli brother-in-law and taken up to what I call a big brother meets Alcatraz meets the army to be to go to a sleep in a dark room without anything for 97 days uh, was a real challenging thing to be able to, to challenge all your emotions and actually start to get real and honest as to what's really going on for me. What was that first step? What was the first step towards honesty? It's it's well that, that's what we practice in a twelve step program, Lily. It's, it's surrendering. It's it's knowing that I I'm powerless over the disease of addiction, um, and that, that I have to trust the higher power. And so for me, it was just surrendering. It was getting vulnerable. It was getting humble, uh, which is a really challenging thing in itself. I mean, I work with so many families every week that it's it's a very challenging thing to have to say to a parent or a loved one or a brother or a sibling uh, when I run interventions or education evenings that be, people always think their opinion is correct. It's a really challenging thing to tell someone, well, hang on, this is another way of looking at it. Uh, this is what, from my lived experience and my professional opinion, you don't always know best about everything. And sometimes, even particularly for loved ones who are struggling in addiction or alcoholism, usually either the mother or the father is the enabler. And, and it can get frustrating, but like you said, I get so passionate about it because when I'm able to change the way a parent thinks about addiction or to change the behavior or to detach from their loved one, I mean, you don't realize how many... How how many family members are even now enabling the addiction to continue because they don't have the tools or the knowledge to be able to know what to do. But even with the two, with the tools and the knowledge, and I know this from personal experience in different areas, sure. what I've stopped doing is saying, this is going to give you the result you want. I know better. I've been through it. What the, the difference now is that I say, look... Keep doing what you're doing as long as you need to do it. Go right ahead. Yep. You're going to come back to this spot again because doing the same thing has the same results. Exactly. If you try this, 
this is a result that could come out of it. If you try this, this result might come out of it. Try it. You yep. want to go back to what you're doing? God bless. But you people hear better when you're not telling them what's wrong, but you're enabling them to make good choices. Of course, I love it, Lily. You should, be in re- you should be living in recovery and giving support <laughs> to some of my clients. Uh, but you're right. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And so many times, uh, families who I work with, with their loved ones, will go and keep doing what they're doing. And they'll come back to me six weeks later, four months later, one day later. Ben, you were right. Or Ben, we understand now. Or Ben, we're going to take on that support. Because, Ben, for 19 years, sure. what you were doing in some way or other was working for you. Yes. You might have gotten frustrated but you mm-hmm. it worked for you otherwise you would have done something yes. different yeah you're right and, and it's so easy to keep continuing to do something without consequences or ramifications i mean there were no consequences to me i knew i would i would never be in a long-term prison or dead or on the streets because i always had my father or my mother to back me up because i was able to manipulate and challenge them and lie and be deceitful and all those things um which was really easy for me to do ben when you do you remember when you were back in primary school before mm-hmm. any of this started what are some of the the, the memories Memories that you have just of being a child before it even all began. Yeah, well, I mean, if you told me when I was, you know, 12 years old, about to have my bar mitzvah at Mount Scopus College with so much love and support that, you know, 25 years later, I'd be lying on the streets of St Kilda with a needle hanging out my vein, I would have laughed. Uh, but looking back, I had a really loving, happy, upbringing childhood. I was an actor. I was a performer. I loved making people laugh. Uh, I finished school. I did a Bachelor of Performing Arts at Monash University. I- when you were back in primary sure. school, do you remember any t- teachers that still stand out? Oh, here, I love some of my sports teachers or my prep teacher, Mrs. Curfee. Um, what kind of sports were you into? I loved all sports. Yeah, I'm a sport fanatic. I'm a football fanatic. I go to Ajax with my dad every Saturday. I go to Essendon with him every week. I try to teach my nephews about football and skills and everything like that. And uh, siblings, you've got sisters. Yes, I have a sister called Chloe, um, amazing superwoman. She had four kids. She married an amazing guy called Diego. Um, you know, they've got an amazing family. And he gave me the tough Israeli love that I needed in order to get clean and change my life because people were tiptoeing around me. And mind you, being a performer, I, was ve- I could get very manipulative. Uh, I would justify all my old behaviours. I used my parents' love to my advantage. I mean, I would literally carry dog biscuits in my pocket, Lily. You were a Lily. smart kid. I was a smart kid and I used my deceiving nature when I was stuck in that cycle to get what I want. I think when you're really young, rather, th- rather than deceiving... Yeah. And even manipulating isn't a great word, but Mm. you're discovering what works for you. Sure. And you, because you were so smart, you were Mm. just going after what made you feel good. Of course. There was nothing wrong with that. Sure. Is Chloe older or younger? She's four years younger. And do you remember when she was born? Uh, vaguely, I guess. I mean, um, do you yeah. remember having a baby sister? Did you have responsibilities? Uh, I guess I did have responsibilities. I was really, I was really lucky. I mean, my mum was just over loving, you know, so emotional that we had a really, um, you know, positive and healthy and amazing upbringing. We were, we were so spoiled. We always got everything we wanted. I don't know if that was a testament eventually to my <laughs> finding addiction or to were be you, stuck in that. Do you, do you remember if you were jealous of, of Chloe when no, she was I, little? No, I never 
never really got jealous. I was able to play with myself, you know, play in my own time and have my own experiences uh, and live my life happily. I guess. Did you have to schlep her around with you as a little girl? uh, Not really. She had a lot of friends and my friends were friendly with her friends. Some of my friends went out with some of her friends. Um, But, you know, eventually we did go through the the Rainbow Serpent Festivals and all the parties together. I guess I introduced her to that scene, so to speak. But, you know, when I look back now, she went through all my addiction with me as well. And I, I even now I start to reflect and think what my family members must have gone through while I was stuck in that selfish cycle. It's a very hard thing to try to fathom or understand. Um, but because, you know, some people never break out of it. And look, Lily, it is a just for today program. I can't tell you that I'm not going to use drugs or alcohol tomorrow or next week or next year or when I turn 80. But for today, if I put my head on the pillow without resorting to a drink or the drug, that's all I, that's all I, that's my purpose. And more importantly, you can feel good without it. Like you can really of feel course. good without and, it. And I guess my mentality around it, I mean, my parents came to visit me in rehab over so many years. They've seen so many people from different walks of life. You know, God bless my dad. The biggest thing he ever did was have some beers at university with his mates. Um, but, you know, what I'm trying to get at is that for me, I've always found it a really unique opportunity to not put a drug or a drink into my body is a very a, a, a rare thing to do. Most humans don't do that. Most people either have a drink on a weekend or, or a drug or use recreationally or on big occasions or celebrations. Uh, you know, to not actually put a drink or a drug into your system for a period of time is a very is amazing unique thing, thing to be able to do. I remember going off coffee cold turkey for a long time. Sure. I'm back on coffee now. <laughs> okay. But for me, it was a big deal because I was drinking so much coffee. Yeah. Chloe is your younger sister. Sure. Did she start drinking alcohol? Did she try any of the drugs? Oh, no, she, she always her? tried the drug. I mean, most people from our community or our upbringing or my school, you know, everyone has a dabble or, you know, dips their foot in the pond, so to speak, and has those experiences. Uh, some people take longer to get out of them. Some people can manage them. It all depends, I guess, on the, the, the powerful or the willingness of the individual. Um, but for me, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I love the feeling of it. And, you know, and people often forget that drugs and alcohol can kill as well. It, it's the disease of addiction. Uh, so that feel good, that pleasure center, that serotonin and dopamine relief, I've now found to be able to get out of day-to-day things. But I'll tell you what, Lily, I'm not perfect. My program's not perfect. I still have triggers and using thoughts and things that happen for me that I have to go through and, and deal with through life. And you don't have to be perfect is no, the point. you're right. And that's what I tried to do for my first 12 months of recovery. I went to 400 NA meetings. I got a sponsor. I got a service position. I got a home group. I now have sponsees. I wanted to have the perfect program for the perfect recovering addict. But I realized now over the last couple of years that it's okay to not be okay. I can have some down days. And with a child, once your child is born, you are going to have to learn that you are not in control and nothing is perfect anymore. Yep, and it's not all about me. And for once, it's about someone else. Like, I'm not just living to give myself that self-satisfaction or seeking that validation from so many people, which I longed for for so long. I can now focus all my attention and energy and help towards the the baby. Yes, and how amazing is it that the... The timing is always perfect. Oh, we always speak about the timing, me and Paul. I mean, we only just met maybe 20 months ago. Uh, and what we've gone through over the last 20-month journey and the fact that she's able to work with me and, and how much time we spend together, I mean, call it a, a touch of codependency, I guess. But we're just so grateful and happy that we've spent so many thousands of hours. And along with Ellie, my daughter, um, who was a, was a package gift when I met Paula, um, we've just had so much time together. 
and been through so much in such a short period of time that we have a very unique and special connection that and, goes really deep. And it sounds like it was quite an adjustment for Paula and Ellie sure. to come into your family. Because of course. Because as loving as they are, they sound very typically Jewish and overwhelming. Yes, very full on. I mean, even tonight we've got Shabbat dinner. I said to Paula, she's eight months pregnant, just chill out at home with Ellie and her friend. That's okay. You, don't, you can just relax because it can get really hectic. Uh, and, you know, Paula and her, her mum, what a mother-in-law I've got. I'm so grateful she's taking us to Israel in September and the Greek island. So all those, all these gifts of recovery. I didn't have petrol in my car. I didn't have a dollar in my pocket. I hung, hung out at pokey venues. Uh, you know, I, I had rode a bicycle because I couldn't afford to, ride, you know, to drive my car. I pawned my car at the pawnbrokers just down here, funnily enough, or not so funnily enough, in between my father's office and my brother-in-law's chicken shop. I just gave him my car and I ended up getting cocaine or whatever it was. But just, just having money in my account and petrol in my car and food on my table and to go to Coles with my wife to get food, that's what my program comes down to, that basic gratitude of life. So um, I don't think anybody would describe you as very calm and reserved. No. And you have mentioned that you're cognizant that your wife needs that at the moment. Yes. Are you able to hook into your calm zen self yeah. for her when it's just the two of you and that's together. the most that's the most challenging thing that i've found in my last 1300 days in recovery or three three years 10 months is that ability to find that sense of calm and to unwind and to detach and to you know to to meditate and to come to a to a back because my brain doesn't stop from the moment i wake up to the moment i go to bed my ability to just to be kind to oneself and detach and relax that's where paula really guides me and helps me and is able to to manage my ongoing crazy nature that I, I need to switch off. I need Paul to give me that hard support. Are you able to meditate? Yeah, sure. And we have this um, system that we go through, which Paul has found when we first met, these uh, basic tracks of type of meditation to be able to just sit and be content with oneself. Uh, and, and this is what I learned through rehab as well. And even in the transitional housing program, uh, you know, that thoughts on a stream, put your thoughts on a log, let the log drift down the stream, you know, let thoughts come and go into your head, but not buy into your thoughts. I mean, even in turn, and this is what I do with some of my clients, working through worries, breaking down what a worry is. Why do we worry how can you uh, unwind that worry and work out you know what's the point in worrying about something if it's eventually going to happen anyway in different ways of challenging your energy into positive things as we think about where well, on average our brain thinks of about 80,000 thoughts every day and 60,000 of those thoughts are thoughts that we thought of yesterday so only really generating a certain amount of new thoughts in your head at one time and the ability what I've learned uh, and I highly recommend everyone to watch it's called heal it's also on Netflix uh, is how our beliefs, our attitudes and our thoughts, which is what your program is about, determine how we live day to day. Very much so. That's exactly mm. it. That's very, very much so. Um, and can I also suggest that you get Morris's old-fashioned playlist because <laughs> in terms of calm, mm. I mean, seriously, yep. that old time like music of the 30s and 40s even the bop stuff yep. it just calms you in a different way right. than I what like music that. does today um, and then once you get into baby songs oh, yes. for the babies and, baby and all of that it's um, it's all good are you also at a place where you are not um, down on yourself for those 19 years of addiction where you can see that that is a 
was also a blessing in your life? Yes, really good question. I I believe everything happens for a reason. Uh, I believe everything from lived experience, that was what was meant to happen to my life. Uh, I believe I went through that, so I'm I'm able now to give back to the addict that still suffers. I believe everything I've gone through has given me that lived experience and that knowledge. I mean, I've just completed my AOD in uh, in mental health, a certificate four. I'm now studying my council degree. I've become an addiction specialist. I I just want to keep on learning. I want to keep on studying. I want to keep on bettering myself. I know it sounds really cliched and old-fashioned, but, you know, knowledge is key, I find, Knowledge is absolutely key. And working with humans one-on-one, I mean, that's what I'm a people's person. Uh, Like yourself, I love speaking to humans on a deep emotional level, uh, and that's how we learn about more about ourselves, by helping others. Absolutely. And there are some people that have a definite focus in their lives, and that's their total interest, whereas... You and I are both yep. generalists. We can multitask. We can, we're interested in a lot of different things. Yes. And the huge challenge is that all of those things are accessible now. Yes. And that, that's what I've loved as well. It's, it's breaking down those awkward boundaries that sometimes family members have with each other. It's rediscovering those conversations that people don't want to have with their loved one who's suffering. Um, and mainly it's about having that understanding with people. Uh, and being able to relate to them, you know, to life on life's terms and what's really going on for them, which I find interesting. Now, Ben, because you meet so many different people from different walks of life, they mm-hmm. may have the commonality yeah. of seeking help. But are you able to observe, talk to and look at someone and say, okay, they think differently to me, they react differently to me, and it's okay. Where you see people doing different things and it's still okay with you that they don't have to be the same way. Yes, yes, sure. And look, everyone judges, Lily. All humans, naturally, we judge people. But if, if you have that awareness and you're able to always own your part to play in every situation, I mean, I deal with, I'm, I'm starting to work in mediation and allowing people to acknowledge their loved one or, you know, strange relationships. As long as you acknowledge your part to play and you have your awareness about your behavior, that's all anyone can really have. But in answering your question, I will call out parents or family members who are still enabling old behaviours and allowing their loved one to still struggle with addiction. Of course. Because I've had people die. I've had friends die in the rooms from overdoses or new drugs that are out there on the market. I've had people in really, you know, hostile situations. Some of my best friends are in jail at the moment, uh, you know, in terms of addic- addictive personalities and what they've done. So I have no worries, which is a challenging thing in my role, to be able to call people out and challenge them and explain to them, no, well, this is what you're thinking. This is what I believe is the best thing for your loved one. Because really it's about, and the enjoyment I get out of actually getting people clean. Uh, you know, some of my, my people that I've worked through who were who stuck in that cycle now, they're one, two, three years clean. That joy in itself and seeing the parents' joy from them is an amazing accomplishment. Of course. And calling people out where you see it's necessary is absolutely it. I actually asked the question for a different reason. Sure. And the reason, and what I was coming from when I was asking that question is that what I've realized when I can look at somebody realize that they have a completely different set of values. They have a completely different way of looking at life. I can now look at them without dismissing them, without making them wrong, but just say, you know what, this is where our commonality lies. Mm. But 
wow, how interesting and what have I learned yes. from the fact that you're able to. And it's still, I mean, it's always a judgment because, yep. you know, you do things, yep. but sometimes it's also a great learning experience. Sure. And that's what I've learned through the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, uh, that we look for the similarities, not the differences. I mean, I can sit there in an NA meeting and see someone who's grown up, you know, in, on the streets of broad meadows or something and didn't have a, an education or family or comes from a dysfunctional family or a heroin addict or whoever it is. Uh, but we look for the similarities. So I really, uh, you know, I find myself sometimes when I find myself in that judgment mode, I take a step back. And that's what that's the core beliefs that I learned through going through the rooms and going through rehabs uh, that I'm now able to appreciate people for their own values and beliefs and try not to judge. Uh, but that's where you can adapt like yourself. I'm sure you can adapt to people's personalities and work on that person's wavelength to try to achieve the best outcome. Right. And you're talking about Shabbat dinner tonight with your parents and family. Yes. And um, did people even realize what your parents and what were going through in those first years? Well, it was, yeah. What was it like for them as part of a Jewish community, which is so judgmental? Really hard. And like I said, I had my dad on last week, which was amazing. My mum's come on the program. I had drug dealers going to my father's office. I had police and sheriffs going to my mum's house. I had people calling them all hours of the night. I had my best friends and my family members calling my parents, waking them up. Uh, heard that I was in an Israeli prison for a few days. Uh, just, just the stories that they'd hear. They've seen Ben Morley banging his head against telephone poles on St Kilda road at three in the morning like the the just the the irrational thoughts that i was thinking or that went through their head uh even now i will never fully understand tell me this tell me the thoughts that go through your head today tell me the thoughts that go through your Mm. how you feel when you see your parents looking at you with joy yes connect to the feeling and tell me about those sure it's it's an amazing euphoric feeling of just trust and understanding and love and an ongoing gratitude for just the appreciation of how lucky i actually am to be to be here today uh but what what they've gone through i still know that i'll never fully understand uh but now i can actually really appreciate that and like you said lily you can't change anyone uh you know you can't pick apples off an orange tree you know i always try to explain to my but i think it's a validation thing i always wanted that validation from my dad from my mum, telling them how well i was doing telling them every day about a program i'm doing or a guest speaker the show that i'm doing I, I think i always needed that validation from them but i've realized now being in recovery that i no longer seek that 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 i'm, I'm, I'm content with who i am and what i'm doing and people work in different right? they're a different generation lily you know yes. we're a different generation growing up now uh, my parents were very sad my dad didn't know about addiction he, did, he never heard about ice or methamphetamine or what it was. So it's really difficult these days to work with family members. And sometimes the fathers or the mothers don't understand the powerful nature of the drug. And just the the gift that you're giving them with this child, the gift you gave them mm. when you came out of recovery. Yes. The gift you gave them when you picked a partner and you got married. But this gift of a child of yep. your own children, the mm. first of however many. You're right. You that is just an amazing gift for You're them. You're right, Lily. Up and maybe I have still haven't really, you know, let it sink in and understand, you know, what actually is happening. But and that's where I work through my twelve step program. You know, my amends which is step eight and nine i, I automatically wanted to, to make amends to my parents or to pay them back or just to say sorry that's not what it's about my amends to my family and my parents is just staying in recovery and really thank you so much for being with us we're running out of time sure. but this is not just about how 
amazing and wonderful you are, which you are. Oh, thanks, Lily. But this is about you really appreciating yourself and you knowing how amazing you are, not for all the things you're doing no. for everyone else, but you as a human being, what you've gone through and what your journey oh, thanks, is. thanks, Lily. And, and what you've got to give to sure. future generations. And, and yourself as well, talking about and having people on the program and even the nature of your show, I guess it's so important. That's why I'm trying to get my dad and other people to sponsor the program or Jair to, to reach out to more people in the community so they can listen in and they can have an understanding standing and people can actually change the way they think and feel through your through your show yeah well thank you very much thank you so, so much. look forward to having paula on sometime actually yes. after she's had the baby yes i We'd think love afterwards. to sit and talk to her <laughs> as well um and to your parents down the track as well sure. so fabulous